Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Genesis Church. Uh, we're happy you've joined us this morning. Uh, I'm sans Lisa this morning without my partner here. She's had a little bit of a rough week and uh, is taking off this Sunday morning. I'm happy you've joined us. Um, please join us in worship and uh, let everything else go right now. Just take a minute and um, the things that are in the front of your mind, maybe you're having stress, maybe you're having anxiety, maybe you're um, having a little sadness or loneliness. Let those things go. Take a deep breath and let's just focus on Christ right now. <clears throat> In the valley, oh God, you're near. In the quiet, oh God, you're near. In the shadow, oh God, you're near. At my breaking, oh God, you're near. You're near, oh God. You never leave my side Your love Stands firm through all my life In my searching, oh God, you're near In my wandering, oh God, you're near when I feel alone, oh God, you're near. At my lowest, oh God, you're near. You're near, oh God. You never leave my side. Your apart we are joined as one by your blood in hope will rise as we become more than conquerors through the one who loved the world height nor depth nor anything else you pull us apart, we are joined as one by your blood. Hope will rise as we become more than conquerors through the one who loved the world. Oh God, you never. 
leave my side Your love Stands firm through all my life Oh God You never leave my side You never leave my side. Your love stands firm through all my life. Father, we thank you that no matter what happens, no matter where we go, how dark it gets, that you're always by our side. Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember, redemption's hill. Your blood was spilled for my ransom. Everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me. Lead me to the cross. You were as I, tempted and tried, human. The Word became flesh, bore my sin and death. Now you're risen. Everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me. Lead me to the cross. Oh, lead me to the cross. 
to your heart, to your heart, lead me to your heart, lead me to your heart, lead me to the cross where your love to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me. Lead me to the cross. Oh, lead me to the cross. Oh, lead me to the cross oh lead me to the cross father we thank you for the cross we thank you for the incredible gift that that was we praise you father we praise you for the relationship we have with you we praise you for continuing to show us things, guide our lives, and bring us through hard times, Father. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Matt. It's good to have you back. Lisa, we bless you and your, your grieving. And it's interesting that someone so close to me is being touched by something so devastating this week. And then my mother who's in hospice care and then nationally what we're dealing with, this convergence of pandemic and violence, um, the financial woes. What's happening politically and the great divide and division that's going on. And here we are as a people faced with seemingly such hopelessness and thoughts of such fear. Does Jesus answer that? Does the Bible have an answer for that? Yes. Absolutely. Well, so just before I jump into the word that the Lord's given me, I want to remind you that you can give to the ministry uh, in a variety of ways. The easiest is to text us. Um, I don't have the number right here in front of me. What I decided to do this morning is go uh, Genesis light. <laughs> Uh, given all the additional responsibilities that I'm dealing with in providing in-home hospice for my mother, um, and then just a full, otherwise full schedule anyway. Um, I'm going to take a couple weeks here and do what I call Genesis Light. And that means that I will come prepared to share the word, and that's it. I'm... I'm I usually every week invest a lot of time in media. 
so that you have the full presentation slides and announcements and graphics and videos and uh, not going to do it. So uh, with Matt and Lisa leading our worship, then uh, I will come prepared to share the word. Um, do want to remind you, however, that because I know that some of you do give regularly or you're new to Genesis and what's going on here and you'd like to be able to give, go out to our website, genesiscc.net. You'll find everything there that you need, okay? All right, here we go. Boy, this is Genesis light. Watch this. <laughs> this, this idea this message has been on my heart for a number of weeks. Before my mother was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and wound up in hospice, before a number of things that have come down the pike and brought great stress to our, our lives personally, to our church, to my loved ones, and so it, it's so appropriate that at this time God would bring such a word to me. I've entitled the message The Opium of the Beyond. The Opium of the Beyond. When I was a much younger Christian, um, in my early years of being a passionate pre trib rapturist, I discovered a whole system of eschatology based on that belief of the second coming or the rapture. Then along comes a movie, Thief in the Night. Anybody remember Thief in the Night? 1972 it was released. Boy, it was great. We scared the hell out of people. We scared them into heaven. And then that was followed by a book series that came out in 1995. And several volumes were written by this same couple, this, this, this pair called Left Behind. Left Behind. Oh, yeah. All built on this eschatological belief of, of people who were faithful and people who were real Christ followers quote, the, the church, the real church, the, the, the valid church, the, the, the church that God approves, being raptured, taken off of the earth, and everybody else left here. And again, we literally, I, I, I remember showing the movie. We had an evangelistic night out in some e event venue. It was not a church. We advertised it, we got that movie, we showed it to people. There was a pretty good crowd. And then I gave the invitation. And we literally were trusting that movie to scare the hell out of people, 
scare them to the altar, scare them to accepting Jesus. And people did. And they did reading this book series, Left Behind, because it scares people. The very idea that somehow they could be left behind, the rapture would happen, and, and, and then the planet would just experience all sorts of grief and sorrow and evil and so forth, while the select few, the select people who believed the right way, were taken off the planet to go for seven years to be with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God, while the rest of you all go to hell, you bugs, you worms. I mean, we didn't say it quite like that, but I mean, that was kind of the idea. Too bad on you <laughs> that you didn't accept the way we believed. And, 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 and what I've come to understand is that that eschatological belief was based on a lot of cherry-picked passages from the Bible used to create that theory of the end times. There's another thing I didn't know. I just swallowed everything hook, line, and sinker and believed what I was told and what was preached from the pulpits that I was around, that that belief system, that eschatological way of believing was only and is only 150 to maybe 200 years old. It was not preached by the early church. It was not believed by the patristic fathers. In fact, most theologians don't even believe that version of Paul's presentation in 1 Thessalonians about the second coming. Let me read it. Second th or first, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I'll begin there. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord forever. Therefore, get this last verse. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. If you believe the right way, <laughs> it's not really an encouragement. If you don't believe the way I believe, because if you don't believe the way I believe, if you don't believe according to this system of rapture, end times rapture theology, eschatology, then you get left behind. This is all gonna happen like a thief in the night, by the way. This word for second coming is the Greek word parousia, parousia. What we discover about this Greek word is that it isn't about endings, it's about beginnings. Parousia doesn't describe an eschatological belief system regarding the end times. 
It literally means the presence, the now presence of God. It can be translated coming, arrival, but oh, how Christians, especially modern evangelicals, have taken Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and just butchered that chapter so that it doesn't look anything like what was believed by the early church or what the majority of theologians have taught for decades and centuries about the presence of Jesus. Parousia, or the presence of the Lord, the coming of God's presence, really gives a hope about the promises of God that those promises are going to be realized in his people. And we have a crisis of hope presently. It is not altogether different than the crisis that people faced in the 60s when everything in our country seemed to be going down the tube. There was nothing we could count on, nothing that was sure. And we had many of the same elements in society going on, the violence and the division and governmental, governmental and political uh, tribes, beliefs. We had racism. We had the uh, scientific community in upheaval over things that were being said and in collision with the religious communities. We had the hippie movement. We had the long hairs and the rock music, and we just had society being torn apart. We had people being beat by police in the street because they were black. And in that crisis of the 60s, there was a real question whether or not the Church of Jesus Christ was capable of facing that crisis with anything hopeful. And it's interesting because I, I, I find a parallel there to today's crisis. And the question's being asked, is the church capable of stepping up to the plate and presenting a message of hope that people can grab onto. The lack of hope that we experience as a society and the lack of hope in the church and the lack of hope and courage to step up with a message that changes lives and changes society is largely due to this opium of leaving this escapism mentality foisted upon the church through this belief system of eschatology about being raptured out of here. This opium of leaving has reduced the great hope of the good news to life beyond death in heaven. And so the message of the kingdom which Jesus introduced that was the power of God present, coming, changing lives, bringing hope. It's lost its power to renew life. It's lost its ability to change our world here and now. Because after all, if we're leaving, 
if the chosen are all going to check out and get raptured out of here, why am I going to invest? Why am I going to invest in the earth? Why am I going to invest in society? Why would I get involved in the legal system and the political systems and the educational systems of our world if we're just going to be snatched out of here? Kind of doesn't matter, does it? The opium of the beyond. You might ask, and I certainly have, over this last year, where my life has been in such turmoil, is there room, is there reason to be an optimist with what we face today, the crises, to have hope? I submit to you there absolutely is, but not because of what we see with our eyes, Pastor West, not, not because of what we perceive in our society that's good or it's working for us, and not because of the political systems, and not because of the educational systems, and not because of so-and-so who gets elected and says, I have the answer, I have the hope. Not because of any of that that we hear in the media. Rather, it's the trust I have in Jesus as I hear the gospel. That gives me hope. The fact that grace triumphs over sin. The fact that love triumphs over hatred. That gives me hope. Not that I'm going to be snatched out of here. The rest of you unworthy, unfortunate beings have been left. The power of life that makes us alive comes from shifting our trust to the biblical promises. And there are four that really cause us to know and understand the kingdom of God is now. It's on the earth. Jesus introduced it. It's why we have hope. It's what Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Number one, the incarnation of Christ. God became human. And by the way, he was successful. It worked. His plan worked. He didn't fail. God became human. Number two, the new creation. In God becoming human, the promise is that every human can become like God. We can receive his life. We can be born again. His spirit will take up residence within us. He takes his DNA and exchanges it for our fallenness. Number three, reconciliation. Now there's a word being bantered about that every group in society is talking about. How can we reconcile? Ultimately, everybody wants it. Even Republicans, even Democrats. Truly, deep down, it is the human thing that says, I really want to be reconciled. Come on, I don't care how firm you are in your particular beliefs about anything going on in society right now, whether it's the pandemic or, or the financial crisis, or, or, or the political crisis, or whatever's going on. Deep down inside, we just want peace. We want quiet. 
We want to live our lives with a, with a sense of rest and peace. The words of Jesus come to mind. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God built us not for work. He built us for rest. And it's out of our rest that we are productive in our labor. We want to be reconciled, but we want to be reconciled to something true, something bigger than ourselves, something that works. We want to be reconciled to an idea that, that puts hatred down once for all, tramples it underfoot and gets rid of it. We want to be part of something and rest in something that says there's something bigger than the fallenness of man that God must have taken care of by coming to this earth in his incarnation, Jesus, and hanging on a cross. There's got to be something more than just this moralistic idea that I've got to do right and believe right and think right, and then maybe I'll make it to the rapture. There's got to be something to reconcile me to God bigger than do-it-yourself religion. And there is. It's called parousia. Paul wasn't talking about physical trumpets blowing and loud angelic voices singing that the whole earth's going to hear and then people floating out of their cars and their cars wrecking on the highway and people floating up into the air and leaving this earth in a... Paul wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the victory introduced called the kingdom of God when he spread out his arms and he died on a cross. God, God died and said, it is finished. It is finished. Enter my rest. I've done it for you. I was talking about the circumstances surrounding the very unfortunate tragedy of a very close family friend that happened this week and especially touches my daughter's life. We, we're talking about the elements of things that cause us to get to the place where there's no hope, where we would give up. How does a person reach that? How have several pastors of mega churches over the past 12 months, it's been in the news, several, not one, numerous pastors, leaders of ministries, mega churches, abandoned faith and stopped following Christ completely or and or committed suicide. 
How do you get to that kind of place? Because our hope, we lose our hope in an opium, an opium of feelings and an opium of theology that tells us that the life really worth living is over there, beyond death, not here. Parousia is not simply a future event regarding the second coming of Christ. It's far more intricate than that. It's the first coming of Jesus. When Jesus on Christmas was born, a baby in a manger, that was the presence, the presence of God, the coming. Then it includes the second coming of Christ, a future event yet to happen, and it is going to happen. It is literal. It will be physical. I believe in the bodily return of Christ. But this whole rapture thing, not even supported in scripture. So you have the first coming, you have the second coming, and then you have to deal with what's in between. That's where we're screwed up. Because our theology has us focused on a promise of beyond death, we don't allow the kingdom to change us here and now in this present life. These two comings together create the kingdom reality in our current world. And it's that reality that gives me hope because every promise of God will come to pass. Everything God has spoken to us it will come to pass. I might not see it this year. I might not see it next year. It might take a couple decades. It was 15, was it 15 or 20 years before Abraham saw the promise that God had made to him that out of his loins would come the promise. Sometimes God says something to you today that he knows well isn't going to be answered materially, physically, whatever, tomorrow or next week or next year even. And what he's wanting to see is will we trust in the in-between comings, between the two comings? Will we trust God? Will we trust the Bible, his word, will we trust the presence of Jesus? Isn't there something more to Jesus coming and tabernacling, making his abode, making his home? The Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, has made his home in you. Isn't there something about that that should be life-changing? And despite what we face, despite whatever's going on in society, despite the crises we all are in, should we not be able with Paul to say, we are not like those who have 
no parousia. We have no hope. We're not like those who have no hope. We do have hope because of the parousia. Christ has come, Christ is coming, and in between, he's with me now, and he's answering his promises through me, through my life. So yes, I get involved in society. I get involved in politics. I become a teacher. I become a councilman. I become a preacher. I become a pastor. I serve in my church. I serve in my community. I get involved. Why? Because I am bringing the presence of Christ on earth that I might help unveil the incarnation to the unbeliever. I want to close. There's a man by the name of Francois Dutois who has written a translation of Paul's letters called the Mirror Bible. I will read to you verse 13 and 14 from a Greek and Hebrew scholar that's far more in keeping with the idea of what Paul was saying about presence, parousia, the coming of the Lord. Verse 13, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning those who seem to be fast asleep in their indifference and unbelief. There's no need for you to grieve as if they were beyond hope. <laughs> we believe that Jesus died and he rose again and that he fully represents and includes even those who have not awoken unto him yet. God will lead them to realize that they indeed are in Christ. Now there's hope. There's a hope that can carry me through anything, no matter what it is. Some of you saw a gentleman named Danny Goki on, uh, oh, the talent shows, the singing talent shows, American Idol. I think it was American Idol, not The Voice pretty sure. Danny Gokey, either The Voice or American Idol. Now he's gone on to produce, well, God's raised him up. He's becoming a Christian voice and star. Star. Listen to the words of a song he wrote and performed not that long ago called Haven't Seen It Yet. Have you been praying and you still have no answers? Have you been pouring out your heart for so many years? Have you been hoping that things would have changed by now? Have you cried all the faith you have through so many tears? Don't forget the things that he has done before. And remember, he can do it all once more. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. 
Maybe you just haven't seen it, just haven't seen it yet. You're closer than you think you are, only moments from the break of dawn. All his promises are just up ahead. Maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Could we stand in his presence? Those of you that are here. Those of you watching. Could you do something physical to just represent that his presence is with you? That for you might be lifting your hands, that might be covering your heart. I don't know. Would you take your hands? Those are his hands. Would you do something with them that communicates to you and your feelings that he's here now? Because I want to pray for you. Here we go. Hopelessness, I command you to leave that heart, that mind, those feelings right now. Lord, give us an awareness of how to grieve in a healthy way, but not lose our awareness of your presence. Because therein is our hope. So I pray right now for everybody under the sound of my voice. Receive this parousia. Receive this coming of the Lord. Be healed in your hope. Be delivered from the opium of just living in the beyond after death. May you be infused starting this moment. May you be infused with a new life and joy and rest of dwelling in his promise. He will keep. Maybe you just haven't seen it yet. But he will keep his promise to you. In Jesus' name. I don't feel like I should do anything else but bless you in the name of the Lord and say thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. God bless.